Hey, what's up, you Melvins? It's your boy TKO Ryan, one third of the best six man tag team on the planet, The Kingdom. And you were listening to The Locker Room with RBV and Jargo. What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 14 of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On today's episode, it's the go-home for WrestleMania week, and we're going to try to have a better show than WWE did. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined alongside my tag team partner, Huckleberry number one, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. You know, I was I was ready to open here. You know, the go homes are in the bag. We're officially on the home stretch to WrestleMania. You're and I had you know I had something I wanted to ask you before we jumped in and all this, but I, you kind of gave me a weird feeling there. I you know, but I guess I will. Jargo, after the last five plus hours of red blue programming, are you any more excited? For the show, you know, for the show of shows set to happen this Sunday. Uh, let me take a look at the card here. Um, not any more interested in that one. Certainly not more interested in that one. That one, maybe, maybe a little, maybe a little. Nope, nope, nope. Okay, I guess. No. I mean, I hate, I hate to even ask this, but I mean, it sounds like there's a good chance here that you're, you're even less excited than you were uh, Monday when we were talking. To, over in the locker room as part of the Hami Media Group. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily less excited. I don't think they did anything to actually damage my excitement in the last five hours, but I think there's only about two matches that they've actually done anything in the last five hours that actually has built my interest. And uh, one of those in which I'm a bit more intrigued, it's not even WWE's doing. It's outside forces that have me more intrigued. I was going to say, you know, this thing, you know, we've been kind of harsh on it uh, for, for weeks and months uh, about the lack of build here. You know, you have dubbed it the hashtag paper mania or paper WrestleMania, whatever you got going there with it. But it, and it is like if you look at the lineup, I mean, this should be one of those that, you know, that we're just I mean, we can't wait for Sunday to get here. Uh, but, you know, one of the most important, the important parts about professional wrestling is the drama and the story. And they have just phoned it in on that, just hoping that. The WrestleMania brand itself would sell itself, and and I think that what they've done is a, a huge discredit to their talent. Uh, it's very disrespectful. Even things that you thought would be surefire, or things that they would really invest themselves in, you know, like the mixed, like the mixed tag with the you know Rousey debuting with the company, just really fell flat. But watching this week, like you said, it there was they didn't really. I'm not any less interested in. And I guess I could say in a few, I don't know, weird ways as we'll talk through the show, maybe I, I am a bit more intrigued. Yeah, there, there's a couple of things that happened this week that absolutely have reached my level of intrigue. Uh, let me ask you this, because I got to thinking about this last night. And I was thinking, you know, as I'm writing this show, I am just not into this WrestleMania. 
And then a little bit later, we're going to talk some takeover on this episode as well. And I was writing the format for takeover and I was like, I am fucking pumped for takeover. And then I was writing out the format for our Supercard of Honor preview show that's going to be uh, coming across all platforms here. And I was like, God, I am freaking pumped for Supercard. I saw the Wrestling Dontaku announcements today of all the matches that are going to be going on over in Japan. And I was like, man, there's about a half a dozen shows on this tour. I cannot wait to see. Is it maybe that we've just grown sour on the WWE style and watching so much NXT and New Japan and Ring of Honor? Because I know I'm way more into the independent scene at this time this year than I was this time last year. And is it has, has my investment in the other companies just soured me on WWE in general? You know, I would think I, I think you really got to go a little deeper there. And this probably, you know, is is the reason how you know for how a lot of fans feel those of us that are invested elsewhere that are watching other products especially uh the new japan ring of honor you know the the hotter indie promotions i think you know a lot of the things that we really harp on wwe about we're getting our our fulfillment there they're filling our needs you know we're getting uh great characters we're getting storylines you know we're getting the traditional vibe, uh, in a sense, I know there's a, there is a split there, you know, between some promotions with others with your dot, dot, dive style, but you know, there's a plethora of, of different types of talent out there that we all can invest in no matter what style we prefer. And when you break it down with WWE, the issue is that they, you know, more and more, they make it very evident that, you know, they want to be everything but professional wrestling. And, and they push those other agendas so forcefully onto us that, I mean, it, sometimes it's just, a, it's overwhelming, uh, especially with the amount of the product that they, that they provide. You know, I, Jersey, we're, we don't have a Jersey Mike segment this week. Sorry, everybody, because we're just actually going to run down the card here as soon as we actually get started. But Jersey tells me every Monday night, <clears throat> as I'm sitting there bitching about Monday Night Raw to him, you're just not a WWE fan anymore. And it pisses me off every time he says that to me. And this is how I kind of equate it. I'm also a Los Angeles Lakers fan. The Lakers fucking suck right now. And I have no issue going into Lakers message boards and listening to Lakers podcasts and calling into Lakers shows and telling them the Lakers suck. They're freaking terrible. It's an absolute insult we haven't made the playoffs five years in a row now. We're the fucking Lakers. Get it together. That doesn't make me any less of a Lakers fan. That's very much where I'm at with WWE. Just because it sucks, and I'm telling you that it sucks, don't tell me I'm not a WWE fan. I'm still a WWE fan. It's just WWE sucks. You know, it's it's been, this is where this originated from. Lowest common denominator booking. They don't put forth the effort. They just kind of go through the motions just so they can push whatever PR kind of thing they got going, whatever other agendas they have in mind. Besides building legit superstars, besides building great drama and storytelling. And the problem is, and this isn't a direct knock at Jersey Mike, but yeah, I've had these same conversations with him. There are many like-minded fans, you know, that that are right there with him that they have come to just expect and accept this bottom of the barrel booking and that you know, goes back to where, you know, when people kind of get on me about, you know, Oh, you're too hard on it. Why are you even watching? Not a fan. No, no. The point is that as a fan, 
you're passionate. You you love the product. You you love whatever it may be, but you should expect better. And it's okay to question and want that. And also, as a Lakers fan, you know what else I can do? I can watch LeBron play because it's good. That doesn't make me any less of a Lakers fan. It just means I want to watch good fucking basketball. Well, well, go go up to Northern Ohio. Uh, they will debate you on that. Uh, LeBron is, is not the most popular individual right now. Well, I don't expect so, but you know they they are on fire right now. Yeah, it's LeBron doesn't even start playing until the playoffs. You all know better. Well, let's uh let let let's talk about some of this lowest common denominator booking, and I guess let's start right at the top because this is kind of the epitome of it here. Kurt Angle, Ronda Rousey, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon. So I guess uh, let, let, let me start off on, on, on a positive note. So I'm not just railing WWE for the next hour, okay? Did you notice that this was a very UFC-style press conference? You've got the one guy in the middle. you got the two teams on the opposite sides. We're going to have the pose down at the end. Mm, UFC on Fox, WWE on Fox. I very much got that impression. Well, you know, I took, you know, I also took, you know, they've done so much to expose Rhonda's weaknesses. They put her in spots that she shouldn't be in at this point in her WWE run. Uh, they threw her into the fire far too fast and it backfired on them. So I, th- I thought, you know, maybe I wasn't th- really linking it to potential uh, television deals, but maybe they realized maybe it was going to help her a little bit by putting her into a setting she's more comfortable Unfortunately, it totally missed the mark for me. I completely saw what it was they were trying to do. It just didn't work for me. Um, if, if you're going to do something like that, do it in front of a bunch of press in a backstage kind of setting. You don't do that in the middle of the ring. It just felt super corny. And then you had Coach's little comment about how, okay, now we're going to have the uh, photographers come in the ring and we're going to do the pose down and whatnot, but we're going to keep it classy. Not like, you know, in UFC and in boxing. Have you ever seen any of those things not end up with somebody going through a table? Well, I was almost expecting, right when he said that, you know, I'm expecting the line like, you know, we're not going to have a a face-to-face confrontation like those. We're breaking tables and just start throwing them. Uh, Yeah, that was a little off. You know, and I, I don't even know if we really needed this on Monday's program. Uh, to me, you know, go along with what, what you're saying and let's go really over the top official with this press conference. Let's put this thing on Facebook live down at the dome while they're in New Orleans. Why the hell not? I mean, run it just like a goddamn weigh-in press conference. Uh, or, you know, or you, what you really could have done here, well, they have bonus pr- uh, programming coming to USA this week. Uh you know, what did I think I saw? You know, definitely we have some of the Hall of Fame stuff. You could have used a little of that time maybe. Or they have the greatest WrestleMania moments program that's going to air on USA, I believe, tomorrow night. Uh, that could have been used as like a, a press platform. Yeah. And it would have been awesome. Plus, you would have had a hook for regular fans to actually tune into this show because this is a show geared at casual fans and getting them to buy the network for Sunday. And I would have preferred to see you go that direction as opposed to these greatest moments, uh, because all they've really done with these greatest moment specials in the last year or so is remind me how bad the product is today. 
You know, I hate these greatest moments specials because all it is is WWE trying to write their own history. Don't you tell me what the greatest moments are. I will be the judge of what I think the greatest moments are. I don't need WWE telling me. And you want to know my favorite WrestleMania moment? I guarantee you it's not on the list. It's from WrestleMania 14 when Shawn Michaels bends down to pick up Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he can't even bend over to do so. He has to squat and grab him by the head. And the look of agony on his face, but his insistence to perform that night, that is still my favorite WrestleMania moment. Well, let's let's talk about the performance that closed out this segment. So Stephanie McMahon puts Ronda Rousey through a fucking table. I <sighs> Stephanie McMahon put Ronda Rousey through a table. I don't, I don't even know how to begin to analyze that any more than that. Stephanie McMahon put Ronda freaking Rousey through a table. Uh, that in itself, I don't think anyone is buying that. Uh, I think, and, you know, if for, especially us, you know, because it's a little different. You know, we watch this all the time. We, we sit here and analyze this every week. Uh, it, it, was, it was funny to me. I laughed. Uh, then I had some conversations today with some other individuals who who have been a little intrigued by this, and they saw some. They didn't watch the, the program. I actually uh, they saw some clips online or read the news, uh, and they laughed. It didn't do anything uh, to really sell what was going on here. It, really, the most interesting part to me was how poor the execution was in the slam, and that you can tell that Ronda is still having a hard time adjusting to. The selling aspect of professional wrestling, you know, she comes from a a real world uh, of combat sport where something like that, you, you could tell she she was really tra- forcing herself not to get up. She she wanted to fire back. That was her natural instinct. I'm pretty sure <clears throat> that all of the exchanges that happened during that match between Stephanie McMahon and Ronda Rousey will look great if you watch them at two x speed. Because everything feels like it's at about 0.5. Which is one of my complaints about a lot of the women's wrestling that I see. They're just not, they're not fluid. It's, it's very robotic. Well, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of it is... They just don't get to work that much. Well, I think it's maybe not even working that much, but when maybe when you get down to Performance Center, you know, how they're handling them, where it's so... Like they're not really taught how to work on the fly or like they have to, you know, it's, it's so spot driven. Like you have to be here. It, this is how this has to work. It's one of those things that I'm, I'm sure. And I'm sure that Ben Hameen would say the same thing. And I'm sure Stevie Richards would say the same thing. I'm sure Strangler Steve would say the same thing. It comes with experience and you have two very inexperienced talents at the center of one of the quote unquote main event programs of WrestleMania. That's the problem. That's the problem. Let's talk about uh, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. Uh, This is one of the matches that I am slightly more intrigued by right now than I was at this time last week. And it's not because of anything WWE did, and it's not because of anything that happened on WWE programming. This is a quote that comes to us from Paul Heyman to the New York Post in regards to, is Sunday the last time we will see Brock Lesnar walk to the ring? And Paul Heyman says, quote, 
it's most likely the answer to that is yes. The reasons are rather public. Brock is eyeballing a return to the Octagon. He's made no secret about it. He's out in Las Vegas at the UFC offices taking a selfie with Dana White wearing a UFC t-shirt. These are not secret negotiations. The fact that both of our contracts are coming due is not a secret either. Is the last time that Brock Lesnar goes out to the ring in WWE? I truly don't know the answer to that because we're focused on the moment is... Brock Lesnar is very focused on the task at hand. Now, that's Paul Heyman. And a lot of that is Paul Heyman trying to sell the fight because that's what Paul Heyman does. But this absolutely raises my intrigue as to what's going to happen on Sunday just a little bit. I think, you know, we're talking about the master manipulator here. And he probably realizes you know, he is regarded as one of you know, the greatest creative minds in the history of the business. And, and sitting there looking at what WWE is presenting to its audience, he, he has to realize how poor this has been uh, and how uninvested fans are. So at every opportunity he has, I am sure that Mr. Heyman is, is taking it upon himself you know, to at least represent you know, his camp to the best of his abilities and try to get people invested. I'm, I'm not saying that he wasn't being straight here, but I could also see, you know, this is him working it. Well, here's the thing that makes me think this is a work. He's out in Las Vegas at the UFC offices, taking a selfie with Dana White, wearing a UFC t-shirt. We talked about it at the time when that picture came out that we thought it was a work. I have no reason to think otherwise at this point. Paul Heyman bringing it up inside of this context makes me think even more so that it was a work and makes me question the legitimacy of everything that's being said inside of this promo. But it was given to the New York Post. Now, you know, one thing, though. Hey, Paul's old school. He doesn't have a problem lying to a paper, I'm sure. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Uh, But... But, you know, there's kind of two stories here. I mean, does it just mean this is, you know, that maybe swerve if Brock does retain? Or does it just mean that Brock, you know, just to kind of swerve us if Brock sticks around after WrestleMania? Because, I mean, looking at this story, this has been years in the making. This is Roman's big payoff moment. And it's everything has been up to this point to kind of put them parallel to kind of get Roman where he maybe he's just short, just short, and then you have this big WrestleMania payoff moment where you know the one man who can conquer the beast. I'm not going to be shocked if Brock walks out. And, and, and one of the most intriguing points is one you've been bringing up that right around the time Money in the Bank rolls around in Chicago, he would surpass CM Punk as the longest reigning uh, modern era champion. Uh, and I, that's something that. If it's, if it's, Vince knows about it, it's something he's got in the back of his mind. It would not surprise me at all to see Brock Lesnar retain this title. But, I mean, so you, you throw away this three year story with, with Roman? Not necessarily. But I'm, I, it would not necessarily surprise me to see Brock retain this title and then turn around and lose it on Monday. It would not see, it would not surprise me to see Vince just swerve everybody just for the sake of swerving everybody. I just, when it comes to this scenario, I don't think this is one of those where they do it just because they need shock value. 
Vince has hitched his wagon to Roman Reigns, and no matter what the terrain has been, he has stayed true to that. Hashtag boot out the building. I'm with Billy Ray Valentine. This match, I, I think best case scenario, you're looking at a repeat of WrestleMania 20. I think this match is going to get booed out of the building. I think it all depends where it's on this card. I, can you imagine if they – I still think this is going last. It's all about the moment, and Vince wants it. I mean, he is so dead set on Roman having that moment. Uh, what if they line up and they give us the mixed tag and then this? I mean, we're talking about a train wreck of the last hour. Talking about a riot in New Orleans is what you're talking about. Uh, let's actually talk about what happened on Monday Night Raw. Um, and I guess the the only thing really of note here was, for me anyway, was Roman Reigns parting the locker room. We've got both babies and heels standing between Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns so that they can't go and spoil the main event. And then it's like Moses. He just parts the locker room. What? Not even not even a locker room. It was essentially the tag division. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Basically the tag division. It was just crapping all over the tag division. That poor tag division. Both tag divisions are just so freaking. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you could pretty much. I know we're going to get to the other side here. uh, But. I mean, you pretty much your your entire red and blue tag divisions were reduced to nothing more than complete jokes on your go home shows to WrestleMania. This very much felt like, see, even the locker room loves him. Cheer him, damn it. Cheer him. That's very much what I got out of this. Hey, and I don't, why do they continue to use talent in these situations? Oh, it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I'm so checked out on the whole Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar program. I don't even want to sit here and shit on it anymore. And it's like, I keep telling Jersey Mike, I want, he's like, you really want this match to be under three minutes? And I was like, dude, I want this match to be 15 seconds long. Just tear the Band-Aid off. Get it over with. I'm, I'm just done with it. I don't even want to shit on it anymore. I'm just done with it. Well, like you said, though, the most intriguing part is going to be, you know, and in inside of this thing. Hey, what if, you know, if, if Brock is on his way out and he's not really happy with some things, what if he takes some uh, liberties? I think the worst case scenario is you end up with that Brock Lesnar who you, you had against Dean Ambrose. That Brock Lesnar who really just does not want to be here and does not want anything to do with this. He just wants to collect his paycheck and be done with it. And we've seen that Brock Lesnar before. That Brock Lesnar shows up at WrestleMania. This thing is going to be a train wreck. I think this. I, I think they're going to surprise some people here. I guess I'm holding out hope that once the bell rings, we're. I mean, it's. I mean, it's by no means going to go down in history as one of the greatest matches of WrestleMania. But I think we're going to sit back and on Monday when we are uh, joined by Big Ray Hernandez over in the locker room with the Hameen Media Group that that we're going to be uh, that you will be pleasantly surprised with with the efforts that you saw. Speaking of uh, a little bit of effort, I have to applaud whoever has been writing the Shane and Brian versus Owens and Zane storyline. They're obviously listeners of this show. They, 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 they discovered the show and they went back and they listened to the back issues and they went back in the archives a while and they found my story. They found my story and they did my story. Shane and Brian are just, 
There's just a couple that were having some issues, and now they've hugged it out and everything is all better. I called this shit months ago. Well, you know, before they do, or they, they let us know that he was coming back, so... Uh... God, we it had this conversation back in like November, I think it was. I, I know, I got yeah, I, I, a little breaking news, man. I, I hate to interrupt you here, and I don't want to go too far back, but real quick, uh, you know, one of the, the regular things that we have, it's, it's, you know, through the show, people know, that, uh, might not actually know Jersey Mike, but, you know, they definitely know of him, and, and that he is someone that is, as you're working third shift that you talk with on a regular basis, he has a regular routine if you do not completely agree or he thinks you're attacking wwe and his opinion he is very quick to take to the internet and, and try to rally some support around himself oh no uh, so, so as we're just talking and you mentioned that you said you want this that match to be over with uh well <laughs> he is just posted he's just posted over in the hobby media discussion group uh talking about four days away uh and talking about this match and how he says he wants to go 17 to 20 minutes, but he, he wants to know what you guys want to know closes and how long. <laughs> you know, last night he, he told me, he goes, this thing might go a half hour. No, it's not doing that. Not even Dude, with that. I, I went back and I looked back through Brock Lesnar's entire career back to 2002. He has never once had a match go over 30 minutes. I, I was I, it could push with promo packages and entrances and post-match celebration, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, where were we? I'm sorry to interrupt you. It was just funny. It was the first thing that popped up on the feed when I went oh, to go look this Oh, Jersey. Oh, Jersey. So Shane and Brian hug it out. You know, this was a, probably the, the third instance. I mean, we, we had Stephanie putting Rousey through a, through a table, and then we had the Cena promo. And both times as I watched them both, I just thought, oh, my God, this is so freaking cheesy. This is so bad. It's so cheesy. And then as I'm watching Brian and Shane, and I was like, how does Brian do this? Because he is so freaking cheesy. Anybody else in that position, that entire promo and sequence falls completely flat. But Brian, it works. Because I mean, because he's believable, people buy into him with that. I mean, that is who he is. And, you know, like, it goes back. You know, people. You know, me. I'm not a Finn Balor fan by any means. And then people are like, oh, you, you just knock it on the small guys. No, that's not it. I knock on him because of this terrible character work. And then I can't believe anything that he's doing. I can't invest in it. With Daniel Bryan, everything he does, I believe that's Daniel Bryan. It works. You want to root for him. You know, he's that hardworking underdog. And he is kind of that cheese ball in real life. And, he is very passionate about his business, but he also loves his family and all that. It's, and that's very relatable for a vast majority of the friend, the fans. So one uh, little piece of verbiage that I did pick up on during the promo, never to be seen in a SmackDown ring again. In a SmackDown ring. So are we to believe that if Shane and Brian win on Sunday, Owens and Zayn can just show up on Raw Monday? Throw that in there. Hey, I'll even do you one better. Did he say SmackDown or SmackDown Live or in? Ooh, I think it was just SmackDown. I may have to go back and check the tape on that okay. one. Uh, and this is another one. Well, you know, this is one where we it, – it has actually had a build. Uh, but it, they've just kind of 
the way they've gone about it and how it's it, – it, here's another – here's a, a problem I had with SmackDown and kind of this program is that it's just overpowered everything else going on with that brand, and it's because of you know Shane McMahon because it involves a McMahon. This program between these two sides was given like 45 minutes on this show. And all they did was talk. And all it was was talk. You know, we get the hug it out so just so they can get that, you know, the cheesy pop with the hug it out. Then we get like the detailed promo package. You know, then we have the promo with, with Owens and Zane. And then we have the other, you know, where they come out to confront them. We've got all these segments going on with this. They're focusing so much on this, it's consuming so much time that they were actually running other promo packages during the matches. Yeah, that was annoying as shit. Like the the picture in picture, like we're running Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar up here while you're watching Charlotte and Natty down here. What the Uh, hell? No, no, this is what it was because I I was all over it. I was over in Easter's Life discussion. I was on Twitter. I was all over this. You have, in his hometown, finally treating him like a baby to get that Papa Rusev, taking on Ginger Mahal, uh, trying to build a little heat around your United States championship match. Uh, You're not even focusing on the match because you're running the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar promo up in the corner. Then they immediately come back and they are talking about that match instead of the United States championship. And then later... In the show, it's your it's during your close during your main event. The WWE champion AJ Styles is teaming up with the number one contender Nakamura, and they are and they split away or running a a promo package for Charlotte versus Oscar. And the thing that was so weird about that was during Charlotte's entrance, they ran one. I don't remember what match it was for, but during Charlotte's entrance, like we couldn't actually enjoy Charlotte's entrance. Well, if it was during her entrance, it was because her and Natty. That was the match. Well, no, it was during during Charlotte's entrance. All you could do, you could see Charlotte's entrance in the in the small screen, and then they were running a video package in the larger uh, quadrant. I, I don't remember what the package was, but I know Charlotte's match was against the tab. But it, but it's hilarious that you know instead of hyping the Charlotte WrestleMania match during Charlotte's entrance, they chose to hype something else. And then later in the show, hype Charlotte's match at WrestleMania. Like, why didn't you just highlight Charlotte and Asuka's match during Charlotte's entrance? Well, uh, again, and, and, and what really got me is because, I mean, this is the paper mania. You're hoping that people invest because of the in-ring action. And then you're completely dismissing that on your program and completely crapping and you know, just crapping on other talent. We'll talk about uh, Charlotte and Natty and Charlotte and Oscar here in just a second. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about Owens and Zane before we get there. So, Rick, I have this idea. Um, I know we're we're entertaining the idea going to a couple shows together. I think what we should do is just jump the barricade, grab a couple of microphones. And me and you could just do a live podcast right there in front of the crowd because obviously security is not going to stop us and they're not going to cut our microphones for like, what, 10 minutes? Uh, are you are you the one that's going to just sit there and uh, go to convulsions and just flop around like Sammy? Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's kind of how I would see it. I would see you as the Owens and me as the Zane. Okay, I, I, I do got the weight on me, so that works, that works there. But uh, And yeah, I, if I have ever seen uh, moving around 
in the fashion that Sammy was, then, then please, someone out there, just just shoot me. See, and this is the thing that they're overdoing it again. Like, we've had Roman coming out of the crowd while he's suspended the last couple of weeks, and nobody stops him. He just walks up and grabs a microphone. Owens and Zane pop up out of the crowd at live events, and now they're doing it on TV. They just pop up out of the crowd, grab a microphone, start cutting promos. Like They, 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 have, they have three brands with uh, people who are not supposed to be on the job. And, and the funniest part is that the so-called development one's the only one getting it right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It just doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Like, where the hell is the security at? You would think somebody would try to stop these guys before they jump over, grab microphones, and just start cutting promos. It just takes me out of the narrative. It was like, I was fine with the Owens and Zane thing. And then it just kept going and going and going. And it's like, where the hell is security at? These guys don't work here. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Let's talk about uh, Charlotte and Asuka. This, I think, is going to be my pitch to headline WrestleMania this year. Um, and, and here's why. When I look at most of these other matches, I would love to have the Brian yes moment as the end of WrestleMania, but I don't think Brian's going to win, so I don't think that we're going to get it. The Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar thing, boot out the building. I don't see them giving AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura the main event as much as I want them to. I think if you're going to do it, Charlotte and Asuka, I think that should just be your main event. Uh, I, I, if you're if you're going with some of your logic there, like if for the if, if Brian's not going over, so you're not going to have that yes moment, and if and you don't, don't want your main event to get booed out of the building, uh, I think that if you're trying to appease people, I would say that you would go Nakamura and AJ uh, one here. And, you know, you know how much I love my precious Shar Shar. They have done absolutely nothing for this program. Well, I the reason that I, I go against Styles and Nakamura and, and, and lean more Charlotte and Asuka, I just don't see Vince McMahon letting two properties that he did not create headline WrestleMania. Well, if it, if I would think they would go with that more to appease looking at what that audience is going to be. Uh, it is a market-driven audience. It's going to be the better match of the two. Uh, and also, if there is going to be any woman that closes that show, it's going to be Stephanie McMahon. So on SmackDown Live, we had Charlotte versus Natalia for the 874,000th time. Uh, good match, but we've seen it 873,999 times at this point. They always put on a good match. It's just, it feels bland and it feels stale to me. Uh, the whole thing was basically to set up the whole Carmella angle. Uh, just saw before we started recording the show today that Carmella has broken the record by holding the Money in the Bank briefcase the longest. I'm guessing that she also has the record now for the most failed attempts at cashing in. Oh, that would be an interesting stat. It's got to be between her and Ziggler. Ziggler had quite a few of those, too. You know, this match here, like you said, it was just your run-of-the-mill Charlotte versus Ty. I, I will say... Wow. I mean, Charlotte was looking very, very good. Uh, something extra glow about her during this show. Looking looking great. For that reason, I was glad that this match ran long. And, you know, that, but going back two weeks ago, this setup for this is just 
it's just so piss poor. I mean, this is essentially to even, you know, to make good on Natalia getting over on her two weeks ago when Carmella butted her nose in. You know, the, but this is also one of those matches, and I thought there was a couple of them this week. Uh, this match, and especially the Seth Rollins and Finn Balor match, for a week before WrestleMania, y'all are doing way too goddamn much in the ring. Yeah, they don't need to be doing, you know, doing this much here. And, and I think, well, this story is, and you know, that rumor's been out there. Carmella's going to cash in at WrestleMania and lose. And to me, that is going to, it is just a... Man, I don't even know how to, how to describe you know, how upsetting this is going to be for individuals, but it's a cow, it's a cowardly way out of that match to insert Carmella so that you know you can potentially protect the streak or, or Charlotte or you know in any sense going forward. You like to do your lowest common denominator booking. This is going to be hashtag PAB Pussy Ass Booking. That's what it is. I was, try- I was trying not to use that word. No, that's what it is. If that's what they do, that is WWE being a bunch of pussies. That's what it hey, is. Let's talk about these cash-ins real quick. So Carmella's music hits, and she is stalling. Or she, is, she is stalled at the top of the ramp waiting on an official to come with her. Yeah, Why does she need hell? an official? There is one in the ring already, and... I mean, I know it's you know it's as old as professional wrestling is that the referees are a little dim with it, uh, but not not even they can understand the concept of when someone presents them the money in the bank, the money in the bank briefcase, what is supposed to go on. There's always like this confusion of what what do we do with? We got to stand around and talk about it, and we've got to explain exactly what's going on here. No, we no, we understand it. We get it. We've done this for years now. Yeah, there's always this stall tactic here. I I don't know. You know, it just seems like, you know, that they really put Carmella on that back burner for a while. And now we're, you know, they're pushing her to the forefront again. And I'm just terrified that they're going to use her as a scapegoat here for what they think is going to be saving face. And it is going to, uh, it's just going to be, this is going to be like on the road to WrestleMania, the WWE vehicle has been backfiring nonstop, but this might just shut down the entire engine. Uh, not no- that we would normally talk about it, but I know you are intrigued, and this is the only match that I've watched in the entire series, and that would be the Mixed Match Challenge. We finally get to see the Queen and the Empress come face-to-face on Facebook. Um, It was all right. They didn't do a whole lot, which I guess no, is it- good. I don't think they had to. You know, this is I this enjoyed is a the match. I did enjoy the uh, collar elbow tie up spot, where they basically just rolled all over the ring inside of the collar elbow tie up all the way to the outside. I thought that was actually pretty good. That was far better than the promo that Oscar cut while Charlotte was in the ring after her match with Natalia. That's for sure. Oh man, that was just that was so bad. I think I blocked that out. Uh, but and. And it's so hard, you know, Charlotte is getting so much better on the mic, but I mean, she's not to a point right now where she can like carry someone. So, I mean, she just, she was just, she was just brought down to Oscar's level. The thing I didn't understand was then when they did the mix match challenge promo, that was like a pre-tape and it was Oscar and Miz. And it's just like Oscar speaking normally in English. She's, she speaks English fine. It's like just the way that she's being produced, like she's on fucking acid or something. Uh, I know it's, 
you know, with the match itself on the mix max, he, he gets the numbers out there. I think, uh, I think people were a little intrigued at what was going to happen here. Uh, I was, I actually watched the whole thing and I was watching the counter, uh, topped out at 112,000 during the live. Uh, I haven't gone back and seen where they're at now, but you know, that, that seems like it was one of their more watched uh, matches or episodes through that little series. But that thing, it, it's a gimmick thing, you know, it's, it's novelty. So it was a fun little match, you know, and, and again, and when you have those things, you need characters involved and Miz was the star and carried everyone there. Uh, they, they go over, Miz gets the win, goes over to protect the street for Oscar and some puppies got a, uh, $100,000. Miz was the star and he carried everyone? I just don't believe it. We've never seen that happen before. Only for a year on SmackDown and the last year on Raw. Uh, let's talk about Alexa and Nia Jax. Um, we said at the time that they should have put Bailey and Sasha into this thing basically to carry the program here. I, I, I still stand by that. I am just not feeling this program whatsoever. On on Monday Night Raw, we get Alexa and Mickey taking on Asuka and Dana Brooke? Like, what? Uh, number one, why is Asuka still on Raw? This has been a complaint of mine for weeks. But why in the world is she tagging with Dana Brooke? Well, first of all, she is on Raw because I mean, because they don't use her for anything on SmackDown. Uh, she just comes out and asks Charlotte if she's ready, and that's been the entire build for this thing. Uh, and then for Dana Brooke, uh, you know, you remember where they were at on Monday? Atlanta. Oh, was it? Oh, it was two weeks ago. They were in Cleveland. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought maybe I thought maybe they were giving a hometown rub, but no. Uh, okay, then Dana Brooke, I completely checked out on probably because they looked around. Uh, and had no one else to use. Yeah, that that's absolutely my assumption. Oh, we need Foxy. She's hurt, Vince. Oh, who else we got? That was pretty much the conversation. Makes uh, zero you know, sense. I guess, hey, you know what? Hey, maybe, maybe we should give them a little credit that they just didn't run uh, Absolution out there or something like that. I, I know they would have been like the heel dynamic, but... The only thing I will give them credit for is at least Asuka didn't pin Alexa. That's the only thing I will give them credit for. At least at least the pinfall came on Mickey and not Alexa. That's the only thing I'm going to give them credit for. Um, and then Nia comes out and you get your Nia and Alexa crap. This is my piss break at WrestleMania, not because I, I don't necessarily want to see the match. I just don't want to see Alexa Bliss lose the title tonight. Title tonight, Nia Jax. Title to Nia Jax. Jesus, I wouldn't think that would be a tongue twister. You, you but talk it is. about you talk about ripping the bandaid off. This is the match that that no matter how this goes, I want this to end quickly. I don't think it's going to. Uh, I don't think there's be any good in ring storytelling. And from a technical standpoint, when you have so many other good potential matches on a show. This thing screams that it's not even deserving of the pre-show. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that the entrances double the actual match time. This match should be on the pre-show, and the cruiserweight championship match should be on the main card. That's just how I feel about it. Uh, let's talk about AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. We get a terrible video package about AJ. We get a terrible video package about Shinsuke. Then we team them together to take on Stellar Nebula. And the the match just kind of pissed me off, man. Um, 
the promos were bad. AJ has been, I don't know, it's like they put the title on him. And it has just been completely downhill, when it, it, even in-ring or backstage pre-tapes. He is just not even close to, to where he was during the summer and nowhere near his A-game. It's almost like, I mean, we we're talking like AJ Styles from TNA days. It, 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 he feels so over-scripted and so overproduced, and... and AJ, even at his best, is not going to be able to carry an entire program on a microphone. You know, even at his best, he can't pull that off. And and even uh, so, again, here with Nakamura, even though they're sitting down where you think they're going to get this right, uh, it just comes off cheesy again. But again, his English isn't nearly as bad as he has been produced to be in recent Months. Well, if, if you listen to you know those that are in the know, you know, you listen to Ben who, who was trained, you know, in the WWE style, and and Stevie Richards who has been there. There's people in the back that are just that get a kick out of it, and that, that's how they want to present it. Yep, they want to present him as Tajiri. That's all they've known with them, and and they and they see that you know for the time being that. You know, that hardcore, that smart fan is still eating it up. So, hey, why why do anything else, you know? And then eventually those fans will grow tired of, of an individual like Nakamura. And then and then he'll become Funaki. I, I, I was very disappointed in WWE in this match. And, and it was more so in the commentary. They actually paid lip service to the fact that these two fought in the Tokyo Dome. When Tom Phillips said, from the Tokyo Dome to the Superdome, and yet they're in a match against Shelton Benjamin, and Shelton Benjamin and Shinsuke Nakamura had one hell of a rivalry over in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they don't pay that any lip service whatsoever. Uh, that, that, I mean, did you really expect anything from that? This is a one-off 10-minute match, and there's gonna, there's no... If you would have told no that interest in pushing Benjamin forward and if, Hey, again, that means you would have to, you know, maybe before this find somewhere to put this over on the show. And that means you're going to have to cut about two to three minutes of Shane's precious time. See, I no, I think that you nailed it. I think you nailed it and you nailed everything that's wrong with the WWE in nailing it. It's not like there's any desire to push Shelton Benjamin right now. The goal should be to get everybody over. If you tell a story in a 10-minute match of the wars that Shinsuke Nakamura and Shelton Benjamin had in Japan, as well as the wars that AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura had in Japan, guess what? You get Shinsuke over, and maybe people actually give a shit about Shelton Benjamin. If the goal isn't to get everybody over, then what in the hell is the point? Well, you know, the, you had to fit in the uh, the four minute Oscar Shar Shar package, uh, and then you had to constantly remind everyone that you know that WrestleMania is free. <laughs> Monday in the locker room, you asked me how does the uh, do we build AJ and Shinsuke, and I said, well, last week Nakamura had the Kinshasa all loaded up, ready to hit AJ with him. So I expect this week at the end of the show, you know, AJ will have the phenomenal forearm ready to load up on Shinsuke and just won't hit it. Boy, did I nail that one or what? Not like it was predictable whatsoever. Uh, 
one of my highlights of the week had to be Rusev versus Jinder Mahal. As you said earlier in the show, they finally portray Rusev as a baby face. This made me so happy. And, and this was basically your hype for Bobby Roode versus Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal versus Rusev at WrestleMania for the United States Championship. And then I got to thinking about something. Oh, wait, they're in Nashville. Okay, that's why they're portraying Rusev as a babyface. And then I thought back to Monday Night Raw, and I thought the reaction that Roman Reigns got was a little bit weird. I thought that Roman seemed very, very over on Monday night compared to what he normally is. And they were in Atlanta. Oh, wait. Roman Reigns went to school at Georgia Tech. They ain't gonna fucking boo a yellow jacket in Atlanta. God damn it, we all got worked by the WWE system. That was strategically done years ago. We're going to Atlanta before we go and have Roman beat Brock because Atlanta will not boo Roman fucking Reigns. Hey, man, if they actually had planned that out, you definitely got to give him a hat tip on that, you know. Yep. Because the whole the whole goal is to get sympathy, you know, sympathy on Roman and everywhere else. You know, they have been just cheering these hellacious beatdowns he's been taking, uh, and it was a little bit different. Yeah, it seems of, so uh, out of place, right? It's like, why does Atlanta love Roman? What? Well, oh wait. And, and, you know, for everyone backing uh, Rusev Day and and. Finally, you know, you know, he gets added to this match and it, some people were excited about it. You know me, I'm on the other side of the fence. I thought this was a bad move uh, and really Rusev going over clean in this thing. It tells me, you know, that's his moment. Uh, he is going to pretty much be the whooping boy of this match. But then, of course, you know, we, we, we can't have that hometown feel good moment. We have to have Randy Orton come in and RKO him. Um Hey, he don't need a hometown. You know that. RKO, man. Randy Orton. People love him everywhere. It is crazy how much they love him. I want to see Randy Orton and Bobby Roode as a tag team. Because I love that glorious RKO spot. They need to do something with Roode, man. What what he's got going right now is not working. Well, speaking of one Mr. Bobby Roode, we had it stooged off thanks to Paige that the cowboy James Storm was backstage at Monday Night Raw. When I heard that James Storm was backstage at Monday Night Raw, I just kind of put my head in my hands and started doing the Russo temple rub. Why in the hell isn't James Storm going to be on SmackDown? Please tell me James Storm no, is going to be on SmackDown. I don't think they were stooging anything off. He's like from that area. He was in there visiting. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, 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 You know me. If I can find a reason to fire Paige, I will absolutely take it. Well, you know, and too, just because if you're at Raw, I mean, it's not an indication of where you're going because Raw is the flagship. I mean, that's the priority. Anyone who's anyone you need to be talking to is going to be at Raw. They're not heading over to SmackDown. This is true. This is true. That's how I knew that The Undertaker wasn't going to be at SmackDown, even yeah, though Marks were eating that up, too. You're not negotiating your deal with Road Dog. I mean, you're where <laughs> Vince is at and where Triple H and Stephanie are at. Uh, and I guarantee with everything <laughs> they got going on, they weren't making a pit stop in Nashville on Gorilla. Sorry, I just I, I, I immediately had a, a vision of uh, sitting down with Road Dog to discuss a contract, and and yeah. that just oh you didn't know, 
You know, not you wouldn't sit down with Brian James sitting down with Road Dog to negotiate a contract. Oh God, that'd be fantastic. I'd pay nine hundred ninety nine yen for that experience. Uh, let's talk about Miz and Rollins and Balor. Uh, Rick, I'm 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 very perplexed here. Are we turning the Miz? Is that what we're trying to do here? Are we are we slowly turning the Miz into a babyface? Because this was a very different Miz this week. On yeah, commentary, he, I, I know you know his attitude was, and you know he wasn't as cocky as he usually is, or I expected him to be. But, but becoming it, a father, it, like it, it changes crazy. you. I know, but it it didn't seem like it was very well received from the commentary. You know, they were they were kind of giving him shit. Yeah, yeah, like Miz has to prove himself. Miz, you you have to prove that you have turned over a new leaf. Don't just tell us; you have to prove. Now it seems like a very awkward time to be starting a Miz babyface turn, though. Doesn't it? Well, um, I mean, so where we end up, I guess, and it is kind of worrisome. I mean, he has evolved to the point where he is so good at everything he's doing. You just you really do want to think that he can handle it this time around. But it was a disaster last time, if you recall. Yeah, yeah, I do recall. Um, I think it would be much better received now. I think it, and I, I would even look forward to like the Mizdaraj to all of those guys being a bit of a you know baby faces. Uh, I think they could pull it together, and we would just get some gold. Uh, also, if that means that 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 Seth Rollins takes a, a hard turn and goes back to playing the villain, I think that's that's best suited for him. He is really struggling as a face. Uh, he, this, that connection, and as much as people do appreciate what he does, and they, you know, cheer his in-ring work, man, that character, it, it, the connect's not there. We have to send Finn Balor to SmackDown. Well, I, no, I was going to ask you. So, if we got Miz is the face, Rollins is the heel. So, does that mean that Finn goes both ways? Well played, well played. I see what you did there. Well played. Oh, yeah. Well played. I'll be here. I'll give you the Russo clap on that one. Uh, What did you think of the uh, Rollins and Balor match? I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was a a poorly timed match, but I thought it was a really good match. That's not the match that I need to see a week before WrestleMania, but I thought it was a really good match. You know, if you got something bigger for, for the Miz, you know, coming out of, of WrestleMania and I'm still on, I'm on board. I want Miz to retain. Uh, I want to see him break that record. Uh, I think, you know, he just brings so much to the table when he's got championship gold. But if they're going the other direction at that match, you know, we're, we're seeing too much from these two. And that's something that sh- maybe should have been at like the next pay-per-view. Yeah. Cause that was the pay-per-view quality match. Absolutely. Or I think, you know, now that they are one, one in singles, uh, I think, you could probably set up a nice little gimmick, uh, best two out of three falls for those two at ex- was it Extreme Rules is the next one or Payback or something like that. Um, shit, I don't even know. I don't even know. Sorry, I was looking forward in the, in my format sheet, and and something just occurred to me that for the next uh, thing that we're going to talk about, that's going to be awesome. I'm I'm more excited about the next thing we're going to talk about now. Let's let, let's move on because I think the match kind of spoke for itself. Let's talk about the bar. Versus Braun Strowman. So now it's, we, it's backlash, but go ahead. Oh, it's backlash. Okay. Uh, so the bar of versus brains and brawn, right? Brains and brawn. And that got me thinking how awesome would it be 
if we had the return of Damian Sandow as uh, Braun Strowman's tag team partner. So you would have the genius character with Braun Strowman. Brains and brawn. Okay. I think I heard Strangler Steve mention that too. So, I mean, so you've got somebody with the background supporting you there, man. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to listen to the Wednesday locker room yet. I promise. I didn't steal that here, from the Strangler. Here is what I've got. Uh, as soon as I saw that, uh, I immediately go to a very outdated Vince McMahon uh, who who might have just watched, been watching like, uh, I don't know, like a Flix channel at like three in the morning. Cause you know, you know, we've got pretty much, uh, Alexa and Jax's, you know, like a after school mean girl special. <laughs> uh, so everything that they're doing here, I, and so I'm guessing, you know, maybe he was watching 3am matinee or three and a movie and he came across nerds because pretty much Braun is being booked exactly like ogre. Yeah, basically. I, I actually went and looked. Go out there, hit the hit the Google machines, uh, and you can do Ogre from Nerds, and they'll have a before and after. They show him when he's with the jocks, and he's got that big crazy hair, and he's yelling, which you can see from Braun. And then when he actually joins them, and he's got, uh, you know, he's got the, the little Poindexter look going in his glasses. That's the transformation that we got. Uh, the other thought that I had when I saw Braun Strowman, may, may, maybe Strangler Steve stooched this one off too. Um, he kind of looked like a really, really tall Dudley boy. The Dudleys are going into the Hall of Fame. What are, what are the chances that we get a, a, a Bubba or a Devon as uh, Braun Strowman's tag team partner at WrestleMania? He kind of looked like a really, really tall Dudley. Hmm. I, I, I haven't heard anyone mention that one yet. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there were some. You got Big Dick Dudley. Yeah. Maybe Braun Strowman's a Dudley. Okay, I, I could see some. Uh, I have two questions though. I mean, I, I guess the guy who could actually go work that match would be Bully. Uh, I don't know if Devon's in that kind of shape right now. Yeah, that 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 that's why I I kind of wondered if you'd only have you know one of them show up. Uh, obviously, Bully would be the one, um, but Bully obviously isn't going to be around for any kind of long-term purposes. Uh, he might not even make it to, he might not be able to be there Sunday, even when they do a little on stage thing. If, uh, if uh, our boy TK Orion and yeah. his baseball bat meet up with him on Saturday. Yeah. If, if the kingdom would happen to get a hold of bully Ray, he may, he may not be able to make it on Sunday. I mean, the last time we see him might be at the hall of fame on Friday. If the kingdom get their hands on him Saturday. But yeah, those were a couple of intriguing possibilities that that had come to my mind over the course of the last day. Um, Of course, we also saw Braun Strowman kind of stooge off uh, him and Bray Wyatt arriving in New Orleans together. Uh, How is that one that we never even entertained the possibility of? That seems like the most logical out of all of them here. How logical is it, though? I mean... Well, the Wyatts. Braun Strowman was a Wyatt. Well, I, I know, but I think the reason we were kind of dismissing it, or maybe it didn't even come to mind, because, you know, he is kind of tangled up in kind of a little hot thing going on. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what in the world they're going to do with Bray Wyatt. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, I have to explain how he got out of the lake. Um, was the reincarnation that, that he just realized that he needed the family? So, I mean, do we get the Wyatt family 
hybrid here versus the Hardys going forward. That's what I was just about to say. If if we're going to start tag team and Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman, who's to say that we don't end up with the broken Hardys versus the Wyatts? I could absolutely see that happening. I could see him doing it, man, but that does absolutely nothing for me. Braun Strowman inside of a deletion absolutely uh, sparks my interest, though. I, that that sparks my interest. I, I just I don't know that bringing him back together as a team. I don't know. Maybe if they can get the Bludgeon Brothers or oh, could you? Oh, he, hey, could you imagine that? You got your Raw Tag Team Champions are Bray and Braun, and your SmackDown Tag Team Champions are the Bludgeon Brothers. Ooh, why it's collecting gold? Interesting. Interesting. Well, hopefully, hopefully, if they do that, um, that's the match at the compound, and the Bludgeon Brothers go into the lake. And realize what they're doing is just god awful. I want to see the the full Wyatt family. So it would be uh, Harper and Rowan and Strowman and Wyatt all show up at the Hardy compound to take on Matt, Jeff, and the Rock and Roll Express. That's the match I want to see. Um, my pop moment of Raw also came to me from uh, one Mr. Braun Strowman. Um, Kurt Hawkins doing his best Chris Jericho impression and breaking the walls down. What did you think of Kurt Hawkins going flying through a wall? You know what? This one of those guys, man, you just, he realizes when he's going to get his spots and he made it's gold, but he's there. He, he makes the best out of every single spot they give him. And, and that's one of those guys that, that you want around, you know, he's, it's one of those, he knows how to work the business. You know, not everyone's going to be a top main event things or, you know, even shining on the low car. I mean, you give, you give him an inch and he makes it seem like a mile. Let's talk about the, uh, Smagtown tag team titles and, uh, what they did for a go home for that program. Uh, we got a promo on how to get WWE Network from the New Day and the Usos and the Bludgeon Brothers? How god-awful was this? It was freaking terrible. This, I mean, this, this is one of those things, you know, where New Day is kind of starting their act, and it is... I was all right just, with New Day doing it. If it just would have been New Day doing the pitch, because we're so used to that. Yep. Uh, but then, you know, it just – then the Usos kind of get in. And then you realize that this isn't just a pitch. Now they're starting to try to, like, make this into hype. And it's starting to go downhill. And and, and then, then, and then it derailed real quick. What the fuck was that, man? I, I actually described this on Twitter. I went and found a picture of a girl whose lips were just, like, beyond unrecognizable with herpes. And, and my and my caption there was WWE rolling out a cheese ball half ass advertising you know heat magnet involving these three Oh I'm not gonna go pull it up here. Essentially what happened was here's what it, that was so cheesy that them trying to use it to convince me to get the network because it was free was almost like trying to tell me that it would be okay to have sex with that girl because it's free. Well, let's move on to Cena and Undertaker because I I, I don't have any idea how in the world to respond with anything well, I, better than that. Well, I, I, do, I do want to talk a little – I mean just one thing that was kind of irritating to me that it's almost like they, they realized that – 
their build and getting people infested in this in this entire show, which looks great on paper, has been so pissed poor that now they've had to change all their attention to just try to, you know, to hammer home the point. But hey, just watch it; it's free. <laughs> you know, I, here's my problem right now with the Bludgeon Brothers. I think I finally kind of figured it out. All right, so you've got people like Bobby Roode, and you've got people like AJ Styles, Jinder Mahal. Like, these are people that, yeah, they're playing characters, but they're real people. And then you have the Bludgeon Brothers, who seem like they are from a completely different dimension. Like, they just, they, they do not feel like they belong on SmackDown Live. They belong in the Hardy compound. Well, I, but I like how you, you make that, that comparison, though. Because even with Hardy himself and Bray, even though, like, you know, they... They're, you know, a little outside of reality, uh, some kind of mythical being. You actually can buy into that, like into their heads. That there is a very, like, we can believe that somewhere inside Matt is batshit crazy. Right. I, I could actually, you know, when he's talking about, you know, playing checkers with Napoleon, I could actually buy into it that somewhere in his head, he believes that. I mean, these guys just look like. Uh, they're comic book characters. They just. They- I don't even. They don't fit in a reality-based TV I don't even know if it's that, man. It, these guys are like not even like Sharknado quality, which I know you got a soft spot for. I mean, these are like 3 a.m. sci-fi horror movies. You know what? You just, you just figured it out. You want to get the Bludgeon Brothers over? Send them to Lucha Underground. They would fit in perfect in Lucha Underground. I don't they're, even know. If, I don't even know if they would fit in there. There's just, I mean, it's so just cheesy. Like their movements, and it almost like the way they did that last night. It, it was always you're looking at Harper, and he's just like FML, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 Rowan just. I don't. I've never understood that gimmick. I've never understood the the Rowan gimmick, and he did some really cool stuff on Twitter there for a while that. They just did nothing with. Well, I guess let's let's talk about the uh, the the one match that is not even confirmed. We don't even necessarily know that it's going to happen. John Cena versus the Undertaker. You know, Rick, I, I we, we we've uh, been doing this show for a while now, and you know that I talk to my grandfather, who is ninety one years old, every single day and you know he has told me for the better part of 39 years now one phrase silence is consent if I ask you what the fuck did you do and you say nothing silence is consent we're going to get this match. We're going to get this match at WrestleMania. There's been absolutely no build. There has been nothing but silence. Silence is consent. Undertaker's going to show up and beat the shit out of John Cena. But this is what I would like to have happen. I want to see John Cena show up at the pre-show. I want to see him plot his ass down with a with a big bowl of nachos and a, with about, you know, three or four tall boys. And I hope we keep going to John Cena. And I want to see John Cena just get completely batshit wasted. And then by the end of the show, have drunken John Cena call out The Undertaker. That's what I want to see. Well, you know, we know security isn't going to do anything about somebody getting out of control. 
Yeah, obviously. He can just jump, you know, over. And maybe that's how we save the Alexa Bliss versus Nia Jax match. Like, it gets so bad and people get so tuned out that Cena just jumps over the barricade, grabs a microphone, and calls out The Undertaker. Maybe he does that a half a dozen times throughout the show. Hey, hey, Undertaker, are you here yet? Nope. Hey. Okay. You know, the, uh, dude, that would be like the ultimate rib for, um, for Nia, you know, big, beautiful. Cena is so wasted. And he's got some beer goggles kicking. And he, he thinks that Nia is Nikki. Oh, my God. Come here, baby. <laughs> oh. Where are you at with this whole Undertaker and John Cena thing, man? You, you know what? I was I was thinking about something. And, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of how they've done this. I think we, need, we needed to see the Undertaker. And, and Strangler Steve brought this up, a tremendous point, which kind of got me thinking a different direction. Do you know the missed opportunity? Because... You know, like I always like, like I've been saying, WrestleMania is about those moments and those visuals. And when you go to these cities, they plaster WrestleMania everywhere. I mean, that the opportunity, just the missed opportunities for especially a paper mania to have Undertaker and Cena there, where you know now it's will he show up? And people want this big element of surprise. Well, it's great to have surprises, but when you got something that's going to sell like this, it, you don't necessarily don't necessarily hold it back. But then I started thinking, you know, why? Maybe why are they holding this thing back? And does this hit maybe go deeper and have something to do with the Roman agenda? Uh, you know, because you tie in, you know, him and Brock are the only two with those wins over the Undertaker. So you know, maybe if Undertaker comes back and he's starting to get hot, maybe his program's picking up a little more steam, and people are a little more interested in that. It, you know, it takes away from them, and that it that they are the two that hold that. I, it's just, if there could just, they don't, we're really worried about him overshadowing something. I find it interesting that you bring that up because this week is the first time that we've even heard Paul Heyman pay reference to the fact that the last time Brock Lesnar was in new Orleans, he conquered this streak and he actually brought that up. And he talked about undertaker a little bit in his promo this week and they haven't paid any lip service to it before like they didn't want you to acknowledge that the undertaker had been beaten at wrestlemania like they still want these people to believe that the streak is still intact even though he's been beaten twice well, at mania and, and i and i think that they realized you know the harm that that has done to the legacy of the undertaker you know how important that streak was to him and you know ever since he lost to brock there and yes i mean that was a concussion correct where you're he had to force his way through. He took that hard hit during the match. Yep. Uh, so, you know, even there, you know, he lost some of that mystique. And then even when he tried to bounce back, it just really wasn't quite there. And and then the loss to Roman just really pushed it over the edge. It, you know, maybe this is their way. You know, they're they're just hoping that some people will still be interested. They, they didn't want that to overshadow everything or confuse anything. So they kept him away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think here? Do, do you think that we're actually going to get this match or do you think that this is actually starting a build to WrestleMania 35 when you have John Cena versus the undertaker? I, I do you think they have that much foresight? I mean, and then with everyone just assuming that this thing is going to happen, um, I think, or do you think, I think you could do maybe, a one year build. I think you could do a one-year build to Cena versus Undertaker. Do you have him arrive here to set this up? I mean, do you, would you physically need him? I think it would be hilarious if it didn't even show. 
Yeah, I would have him not even show up, but I would have John Cena stay on this path of just calling Undertaker out every fucking week and have him do it for the next 52 weeks. I, I mean, you could even push it to the point where it begins to make Cena crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where Cena just becomes obsessed with the Undertaker. Yeah, because I, I, at this point, that's a more interesting story than what we're doing. I, and I'm just imagining. I think it would be great. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if this match didn't go down. I just think, man, you would enrage so many people that are just so set in their mind that this thing is happening. I think you would enrage them now, but I think if you give them a payoff they can invest in a year from now, they would forgive you. As long as they see that there, there is a path, there is a direction, we are doing something here. This hasn't just been a uh, uh, six-week cock tease. Well, and I would go with, too, this match, without, without seeing him right now, without knowing he's going to be there, without, you know, is it going to be dead man or the badass, or even hearing from him, this, this match, if he even shows up, does nothing for me because we know we're not getting anything going forward from it. Right. So it just feels we're, flat. And there, and it's not going to be a technical masterpiece. There was no build. The, when you actually lay it out there, it makes the most sense for for him not to show. And this thing to go into a year-long build uh, towards WrestleMania 35 where, you know, because at this point, you know, there's not much, you know, more and bigger for Cena to, to tackle. And with him going, you know, on sabbatical throughout the year, this is something you can kind of keep going. Every time Cena comes back, he's coming back looking for Taker. Yeah, I think I think that's the best option at this point, man. I really do. And yeah, I think people are going to be pissed off about it. But I think if, if you give them a proper build and a good story one year from now, they will forgive you for it. I'll tell you what's the most irritating here thing for me. You know how much I have been just... A, a positive proponent towards for the Andre Battle Royal, and how I wish there was, you know, a more emphasis and maybe bringing some prestige to that. And you, you and then constantly week after week, you have Cena. Well, I can't get anything at WrestleMania. I'll just be a fan, and he's just crapping all over that match because everyone else is just making them bettering themselves. Well, I did like that this week. You know, uh, he actually says people are like, "Well, why don't you just join the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal?" Well, I'll tell you why. And then he told us why, and it was like, that's a terrible reason, John. That doesn't make any sense. Just because you lost the Royal Rumble and you lost the Elimination Chamber and yeah. so you lost they, all this, so you can't enter I'm the not, Battle I'm Royal? Not joining, I'm not joining those other losers. Yeah, it's like, Jesus Christ, man. Tyler Breeze hasn't won a match in like three fucking years. He's in the Andre the Giant Memorial yeah. Battle Royal. Yeah, I think it would have been kind of cool like if he actually would have joined the Andre the Giant Memorial uh, battle Royal, and then Undertaker showed up okay. and whooped his ass. One more question before we were actually, I guess it's two questions. Two questions before we wrap things up for segment one, and then we'll uh, kick it over to a break and come back and talk some takeover New Orleans. Uh, we didn't talk at all about the uh, men's or the women's battle royals. Do you have any picks on who you expect to win, either or? Uh, man, the men's, I. At the men's, I, I don't know who. Uh, I still think they missed a major opportunity by not giving that moment, that WrestleMania moment, to Rusev. Going forward, having Rusev English and that statue going everywhere together, especially with the statue wearing a Rusev Day t-shirt, would have been gold. 
I think he would have he would have had a much better payoff going forward than what he's going to do anything in the U.S. title match, and that includes if he would happen to win that match. I think he'd just be better in the battle royal, better for the match itself and Rusev. With the ladies, I am going with Becky Lynch. Uh, I think we see we really we we see something really kickstart the program out down at the end with uh, with Bailey and Sasha, where they go out and. Then, you know, one, the other, the horsewoman who seems to get slighted the most, uh, she's going to have a shining moment. I'm 100% completely with you when it comes to Becky Lynch. That's, that's absolutely my pick to win the uh, Women's Battle Royal. I think she's a good name to have on the trophy as the first name if you want to try to build from there, if this is going to be a regular every year thing. As far as the men's goes, there's nobody in there that I think really you can do anything with at this point, except for Tyler Breeze. I, I'm good with that, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see someone, you know, show up from from NXT. Yeah, I would not be surprised thing. to see an NXT person win it. Um, was was Mojo on the main roster when he won it last year, or was he yes. an NXT call up? No, he was on the main roster. He had been up but was out kind of on his own because of the, um, oh, the, the rider, rider injury. injury. That's yeah. Right. It looked like the hype brothers were going to get a little bit of a push there. Uh, and, and, you know, in, in reality, I mean, that was nothing more. I mean, not the slight mojo. I'm, I'm not a down on him. And some people, I think there's some potential, but I mean, that was a publicity stunt. Okay. I take it back. My, my pick is no longer Tyler breeze. My, my pick to win the Andre, the giant Memorial battle Royal this year is Killian Dane. I'm going with Killian Dane. I, I was going to go with that. I don't know if you see me. I haven't said it on any of the shows, but I've been like kicking it around and like chats and things like that. Uh, Hardy is in this thing. I, to me, I think it would just be incredible if the if he um, transported the entire match to the compound. That would be tremendous. Yes. Come on, they've got amazing production. Let's get everyone in the ring somehow, some way. There's so much smoke we can't see anything, and they're all gone. And they on the screens we. They reemerge and they're at the compound for the for the battle royal. Love it, love it. All right, let's kick it over to a break. We're gonna come back. We're gonna run through the uh, NXT Takeover New Orleans card. Give our thoughts on that, and uh, we'll call it a day. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this: a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in StevieRichardsFitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. This is the pretty badass, Kelly Klein. I am in the locker room with Jargo and RBV. Avert your eyes and don't wait outside the locker room for me. I'll be your 
All right, Rick. We're back for segment two. We're done with all the bullshit. We can actually talk about fun shows now. You ready to talk about some takeover? I was going to say, you know, we uh, we got those rough waters behind us now. You know, it looks like clear sailing going ahead. Well, we got to get past this first match, and, and and this first match. For those that don't know, we record on Wednesday afternoon, so we have not seen tonight's episode of NXT yet, um, and and. I absolutely expect that's where the build for this match is going to take place. I'm talking about the Undisputed Era versus the Authors of Pain versus Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne. Obviously, the uh, finals of the Dusty Tag Team Classic are supposed to be tonight. Some shit goes down there. It ends up becoming a triple threat. Of course, we do know about Bobby Fish's injury. and NXT and WWE have finally acknowledged it, even though it happened well over a month ago. They've done absolutely nothing with the story thus far. So now Adam Cole is actually advertised for two matches at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Do you absolutely expect Adam Cole to be in two matches, or do you think we're going to get some kind of a swerve here tonight? You know, as we were talking before, we went on the air, and you were like, why haven't they addressed this? You said, you know, maybe the plan is, you know, it seems like they are high on Adam Cole. You know, what an accomplishment that would be on such a major stage to, you know, to emerge and. I mean, just think what it would do for his, his ego-driven character. Yeah, He's walking around with two two titles. Yeah, that would be absolutely cool. Um, I, I, I don't think Authors of Pain are going to win here because I think we, once again, it's a takeover, so we expect Authors of Pain to be called up on Monday. That seems to be the on-running theme of this show every time we do a takeover preview. <laughs> I was say, we can just like uh, We can just like save the cuts every time and you can just... You know, spice them in. Copy and paste here. Um, Roderick Strong obviously has been doing some work on 205 Live, and then Pete Dunne, of course, is the UK champion. Um, So do you expect Undisputed Era to retain here, regardless if Adam Cole is in the match or not? I I do. I I really expect, you know, but like you said, there's so much for going forward. If this was really just uh, Aurelian Fish, I mean, that that would be a no-brainer. Uh, now let me, you know, as you said, we don't really know quite yet. And there's so many different personalities and talents down in New Orleans this weekend. I mean, who is there someone in the company or maybe someone outside to see if maybe they're willing to deal and keep something a surprise? Well, I think the obvious choice here, of course, is Donovan Dijak. Uh, we, we, we've talked for months now that I, I've expected Donovan Dijak to be introduced as a member of the Undisputed Era for months, literally. He's He's been down at NXT. He's working live events. I'm not sure why he hasn't been on TV. I just kind of figured they were saving him for some sort of special event. Um, myself and Mr. Andrew Bello were actually discussing this uh, in a Facebook uh, conversation here just a couple of days ago. My, my problem here. William Regal does not strike me as the kind of general manager who is just going to let them cross one name out and pencil somebody else in here. Uh, we, we, of course, we've talked a bit about the uh, William Regal versus Undisputed Era feud that they kind of seem to be building here. Does that seem like something that William Regal would do? Yeah, and I think that's a tremendous point, and especially when you're you – know, not even with the tensions, it doesn't seem like something he would do, but especially with, you know, he's just not going to let those guys kind of have their way uh, and pick and choose, you know, how things play out here. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely expect Adam Cole to go off on some kind of, this is not fair tangent and William Regal to basically tell Adam Cole, well, tough shit. 
Well, I could. Well, I could even see him saying, "Well, okay, if it's not fair, then you're out of out of the ladder match." Ugh. Yeah, I could see that as a possibility as well. I don't like that possibility, but I could absolutely well, see mean, that I mean, as could, a possibility. I mean, you're talking about you know how I mean you got a strict general manager there. Yeah. Uh, not a, not a lot of nonsense. You know, no games to be played. He might just lay it out there. Uh, but it's gonna it's most certainly it's gonna be interesting where they go forward with uh, with the tag you know the tag division and the tag champs. Now let me ask you here just real quick. Which would you prefer if he's not scheduled to win the North American Championship? Would you rather then can just continue on here in the tag? No, no, I I am absolutely terrified that this Bobby Fish injury is going to result in Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly being put together as a tag team, and I I think that's a very bad move for both parties. I would much rather just see Kyle O'Reilly get split off into a singles at this point. I don't want to see Adam Cole get stuck into a tag team. There we go, sir. That's kind of where I'm at with it anyway. Uh, let, let, let's talk about the other matches that we, we actually do have build here for, and we can kind of lay out the, the creative going in. Uh, Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, this is a match I'm very much looking forward to. At NXT TakeOver Philadelphia, Ember Moon defeated Shayna Baszler to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Of course, after the match, Baszler attacked Moon. Then on the February 7th episode of NXT, Baszler stated that Moon was afraid of her. Later in a tweet from Moon, uh, she challenged Baszler to a rematch from TakeOver Philadelphia. Of course, during that rematch, Kyrie Sane came out, attacked Baszler. You end up with a number one contenders match between Baszler and Sane. Baszler ends up winning that match. After defeating Sane, Baszler calls out Moon. The March 14th episode, after a match that saw Dakota Kai defeat Lacey Evans, Baszler again comes out to, to mess up one Miss Dakota Kai. Still don't know what the beef is there. Moon comes out to prevent it, hits uh, Baszler with the Eclipse. What do you think, Rick? Is this setting up for Baszler to finally take this title and Ember Moon to move on? Or is this going to be Ember once again standing tall over Shayna Baszler? Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed this program just from the get-go. They've done everything so well with Baszler. Uh, you know, they they haven't exploited anything. But, you know, they have, you know, they reminded us you know, that she still is very new to professional wrestling. Uh, and, in fact, that's how Ember Moon survived her in the first place. Uh, but, you know, she still – but Baszler is still presents herself as, you know, I'm still better than everyone. I'm one of the baddest people on the planet, and I'm going to inflict as much pain as I want on who and when and where I, I I've been loving this thing. And I got to think, man, this is, this is the right time. Just, they've had enough build. I just don't see how, you know, moon survives once again and you continue on. I mean, you'd have to almost take some phase in a completely different direction. Uh, and then I just don't see that. think that that's best for the, for the division. So logic would dictate in my mind then that the feud coming out of this is Kyrie Sane versus Shayna Baszler, which is a rematch of the May Young Classic. Um, so what happens with Ember Moon? Does Ember Moon kind of get shuffled into the back of NXT? Do we work some kind of an injury angle to where she comes back for her title in Brooklyn? Do we call Ember Moon up? Is she a, a dark horse to win the Women's Battle Royal at WrestleMania? Uh, I I could see her, uh, you know, for me, I wasn't really a big fan of her, 
even working the rumble match after the last beating she took to Baszler. I know she was in there selling the injuries, but to me that was just still overboard. Uh, I want to see her maybe go on the shelf for a little bit uh, and then really reevaluate where that she can be repositioned in this company. I'm just, you know, for her as a talent, I worry that, you know, maybe her future isn't that bright. You know, if, if she does come up, you, you know, I, I could see her, you know, being a, a player on Raw. You know, as I said in the past, I hate to make the comparison, but, you know, it, there's just so much of her markability is comparable to Naomi on SmackDown. Uh, you know, maybe, or hell, you know, maybe Naomi is gets pushed aside. I just, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, it's, it, it, she's a very interesting case because I feel like it's time for Ember to come up if she's going to get called up. But I just don't see where she fits into either roster right now. It's, a, it's Well, a, I think maybe it turns into, I mean, she is a great you know hand to have on deck. Uh, I would just kind of worry that she gets into this, like the AOP thing where we kept saying, okay, win, win, win. And it's that they just maybe can't find the right opportunity for her and that maybe this is one of those cases where they make that transition and they just let the talent down. The nice thing about AOP, and I guess you could say this about Adam Cole too, if he does end up getting stuck in a tag team with Kyle O'Reilly at this point, those guys are all really, really young. Um, AOP is like 23 and 24. I mean, those guys got 15 years ahead of them. So I, I do understand if you don't have the perfect spot for them, just keep them in NXT right now. But it's absolutely time they get called up. With with Ember, that feels like a much shorter timeline. You don't have that luxury of just leaving her in NXT for another year at this point. Yeah, that's, and that's what makes it so difficult. I guess they're hard. Those are, they're, they're comparable but so different. Uh, and it's almost you know the same as – the AOP, you can kind of say, okay, even if you're kind of floating in the NXT tag division, that's almost better than being at the top of the Raw and SmackDown tag division. It's true. It's true. Just ask the revival. Where in the other case, you know, there there kind of is, you know, we it's not the greatest, but there is an effort for for the women's divisions. You know, right now we've got multiple programs going on for them. Yeah, uh, but where does she slide in? You know, where is her spot? You know, you and I have talked so many times. You know, it goes Stephanie McMahon, Ronda, uh, Charlotte, Oscar, Bliss. You know, those are your five, and then you kind of have this cluster. So, you where know, was does em- she, where does Ember Moon fit into that cluster? Yeah, I mean, is she able to to knock off a a, a Becky, a Bailey, or a Sasha in that you know in that next five for that six or seven spot? The problem becomes the longer that you leave somebody like Ember in NXT, that's an opportunity that's being taken away from somebody like Candice LeRae to be featured inside of NXT or Dakota Kai or any of the other number of women that they have in NXT right now. The women's roster in NXT is about as big as the women's roster on the main roster. Right. And then then you have some other ones. You know, you're talking about where do you fit in up on the red and, and blue brands. Uh, you've got someone like the iconic duo who is going to have much greater success in Vince McMahon's sports entertainment world than they've already had in the NXT world. Yep. Yep. It's going to be Elias all over again. 
Uh, let's talk about Andrade Cien Almas versus Alistair Black. I can't believe that there's two matches on this show that I expect to go on after the NXT Championship match. Um, Andrade is becoming a very interesting case study to me because the entire time Andrade has held this title, he has not been the focal point whatsoever of NXT. When's the last time the NXT Championship headlined a pay-per-view? It's been a while. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking, and you know, they they usually are so good about keeping their championships as focal points. Yeah, but not not with uh, Andrade, and I I think Andrade's been a very good champion. They just don't seem to be featuring him. He always feels like a sub story in whatever what other story. What, what closes the at the Rumble? Oh, was it was it CN and Gargano? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That closed. But once again, was CN the story there, whatsoever? It was. It was more about Gargano and Ciampa than it was about CN. Okay, so I'm actually going to give the creative and the booking committee there, and, you know, Triple H and his crew, whoever seen this, give them credit. They have an incredible talent in all this. Uh, I think he's a, a great champion. I think he is, you know, more of that transition, and you're going to have a longer you're going to have a longer term transition, especially in NXT. Uh, but he fits into that role perfectly, and I think he's really showing the company his true value. And he, in the focus, might not be him, but he has been hitting all the marks, making sure that he's getting. You know, the, the attention, the heat on himself still in the program and the sympathy towards whoever that opponent might be. So on the February 28th episode of NXT, Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega came out boasting about their victory over Johnny Gargano. This is, of course, when Gargano was forced to leave NXT. Then Aleister Black and Killian Dane come out, and the three of them all have a big brawl. The following week, Black defeats Dane in a number one contendership match, and it's announced that he will face Almas at TakeOver New Orleans. This seems to be an ongoing thread here. Like, Almas is the champion, somebody else wins a number one contenders match and faces Almas. There's never any kind of, like, personal heat between Almas and whoever the challenger is going to be until they are named the challenger. So it's, it's just a very interesting dynamic that they kind of have going on inside of NXT right now. Yeah, it, uh, that is pretty interesting because it's almost like that, that true feud or that blood feud is to get people to a point where they have an opportunity to challenge for the champ. And then once you try to you know, threaten to take his goods, then it becomes very personal to him. Do you see Almas retaining here or do you see Aleister Black taking the NXT championship? You know, going back and looking at history, you usually don't see a lot of new champions crowned at these things. Uh, they come for big moments, but I think this might this might be a little different takeover. Uh, again, here I, I think Black goes over, uh, and it, as we were kind of talking, you know what? But what does that leave for all of us going forward? Uh, I would, I actually, I I see Black going over. He's going to be that that really hot face for NXT for the next year. Uh, and, I, and I see maybe almost sticking around there for a little bit to get his rematches and then heading to 205. See, I'm going the other way. I think Andrade Cien almost retains here thanks to help from Zelina Vega. And I think we see Aleister Black show up on Monday Night Raw. Uh, I, my only 
reservation with those is I think he needs more of an introduction. I think you need more build with him. Either one of these guys, you know, I when almost went into the rumble, it didn't it wasn't as evident. They were able to hide it. But he gets in there with a couple of these guys and he is small dude. Yeah. Yep, he's a uh, they're, they're they're just going to be you know they're going to look like dwarfs in there against some of just like the, the average size guys, and I just don't realize or I just don't know how many fans realize you know the, the potential the talent there with Black. I, I think I just think that would just be a, a poor move and it might backfire on them at this point. I I would feel that I'm more willing to risk moving Almas around than I am Black at this point. Well, let's talk about one new championship that we absolutely know will be crowned at NXT TakeOver New Orleans. That is Adam Cole taking on EC3, taking on Killian Dane versus Lars Sullivan versus Velveteen Dream versus, at least at this point, the not-yet-debuted Ricochet. Uh, this is going to be for the North American Championship, and it will be contested inside of a ladder match on the March 28th episode of NXT NXT general manager, William Regal announced the introduction of the North American championship. He of course was interrupted by EC three, making his return to the WWE. Uh, EC three was subsequently announced by Regal as one of the six wrestlers who would compete in the ladder match. Uh, and then of course we had the introduction of the other five participants, Adam Cole, Velveteen dream, Lars Sullivan, Killian Dane, and the debuting ricochet. Uh, where are you at with this North American championship? Do you, do you like that we're getting another title inside of NXT? What did you think of the championship and who do you think is going to be the first man to hold it? I was a fan of adding another championship. I think that the promotion or the brand has needed that second tier title for a while. Uh, you know, but for the longest time, I just wish they would have put more emphasis on the UK championship uh, feature that a bit more. And I, I, I understand, you know, if maybe the logic of, well, you know, we're all, you know, most of our programming is here, uh, but, uh, but you're still a global brand. You're shown everywhere. I think the UK championship would have been fine for that spot. I am interested to see how, if they are going to, you know, highlight it a bit more, or is it going to just be completely overshadowed by this North American championship? Who's taking this thing? I I would probably go with EC3. I think EC3 is one of the more popular picks. Um, of course, I would love to see Adam Cole walk away with this championship. I'm just not sure that that's what they have any intention of doing here. Uh, Killian Dane, I absolutely see debuting on Monday Night Raw or Tuesday Night SmackDown. Lars Sullivan does not strike me at all as ready for a championship, which uh, leaves me with Velveteen Dream and Ricochet. And, and you really... for. for for having the honor of holding, you know, this the NXT's first ever North American Championship, that the prestige behind that, to me, a guy you want in that position. I mean, EC3 just screams the blueprint. Yeah, the problem becomes: Do you really want EC3 walking around with your second tier championship while Andrade Cien Almas or Alistair Black is walking around with the NXT championship? 
Well, and this goes back, you know, kind of to my thought that you put the NXT championship on black and you got, I mean, you, you got guys just completely opposite ends of the universe representing your, your men's singles championships. I don't like putting the championship on a debuting wrestler, uh, which, which kind of is what I'm using to rule out Ricochet, even though I feel like EC3 is a solid choice. Well, I, and I don't, I wouldn't really call, I don't think EC, EC3 is so much, you know, with the NXT crowd, you know, it's, I'll say smart, you know, as insiders they are, uh, much more of them are familiar with EC3 than they are Ricochet. Agreed. I kind of want Velveteen Dream to take this championship, man. I, I still think he's too young for it. Um, I, I just I don't even think the character needs it, and I, I and I, not by need. I mean, everyone should you know that's what you, you thrive for. You want to have a champion, you know that means that you're you you know amongst the tops, but. I just don't think they complement each other very well. I just think there's so much greater potential with EC3 with that thing than Dream. Of the six, the two that I like walking around with titles are Adam Cole and EC3. I just I I don't like putting it on debuting stars and the Adam Cole story just does not feel like it is bound for championship gold for me at this time. Let's uh let's talk about uh what I assume will be the big main event. Uh, being an unsanctioned match, of course, because we all know that matches that shouldn't really happen should absolutely main event pay-per-views. Uh, by that definition, John Cena and Undertaker, watch out, that's your main event. Uh, Johnny Gargano versus Tommaso Ciampa. Of course, uh, this story, where to even begin? The the humble days of DIY, do you begin at TakeOver Chicago? Does it even need to be told, this story? You got two guys who just absolutely freaking hate one another they used to be best friends and now they hate one another that's all the story that you need to know going into this match and they've done everything here you know we we constantly are talking about how this is right up there with as the bullet club turns and, it, and you constantly point out it seems like each week they're just trying to one up each side uh and i to each of their credit these guys have done everything right here i mean they have I mean, from the booking on the program to you know, how they portrayed themselves to how they handle themselves on social media. I mean, they keep it legit. They, they, you want to be invested in this thing, and they've got people hooked. I'm 100% hook, line, and sinker hooked. The question is, who's going to win this match? Logic and says Gargano wins this match, but that's I've, a tough one. But they keep throwing swerves at us with this. I, I just I don't want Gargano to win it because I don't want this thing to be over. Like I, I almost feel like Champa needs this win. Man, you know, almost kind of going forward, just to, to, like the, for the next chapter. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll go with Black goes over with hit for the NXT Championship, and I love to see. Uh, Chaffa is that next challenger. Ooh, that would be interesting. Uh, and, and then, you know, then those two are tearing it up for a while, and and Gargano is, like, exiled. Man, I just, I hate seeing, I hate not seeing Johnny Gargano on my TV every week. Everything, everything in traditional professional wrestling, or, or hell, just in, you know, theater and storytelling, this has to be the scene where he goes over, right? 
you would think, you would think. And I mean, once he's back in the company, you can absolutely keep it going. And just because Gargano wins doesn't mean that Ciampa's not the one standing tall at the end of the match, obviously. Well, it, I, I just kind of like, you know, what you're kind of hitting at there is, I mean, this could play out for long term for years. I mean, Gargano has to leave NXT and, you know, although, you know, he goes maybe to the cruiserweight division or whatever path he takes, no matter wherever these two meet back up in the company down the line, you know, it will always be there what happened in New Orleans on this night. See, and I feel like the story is much more what happened in Chicago on that night. And I feel like this thing has to end in Chicago, not in New Orleans. It has to end where it all started, not in New Orleans. I don't feel like this is the end of whatever is going on here with Gargano and Ciampa. So, Rick, with all of that said, what is the one match inside of the WWE universe, whether it be red, blue, or yellow, what is the match that you are most looking forward to this weekend out of the WWE? It has to be the match we just talked about, the unsanctioned match with Gargano and Ciampa. And for so many reasons, and it's really hard to, to analyze it and break it down because they have done such an incredible job of putting this together that you kind of put yourself, you know, you want to step away from what we do with our shows, what we do here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, what we do for the GorillaPosition.com, what we do for the Hami Media Group. They've been so masterful in, in putting this program together. You just, you just want to sit back and be a fan and you remember what you love about professional wrestling. And these guys have, have grabbed us and, and pulled us in. Immediately after TakeOver New Orleans, Rick and I will be sitting down to record a Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast recap. I'm very excited to talk about this show once it's done. Um, actually, I take that back. We may not be sitting down right after TakeOver. We may be sitting down right after Supercard because I assume that we're going to re review both shows all in one shot. Well, it, actually, uh, I guess yeah, we can let everybody know we've got kind of a, a super review show going on. Uh, we are going to be combining our show here on the Hitting the Marks. We're going to be teaming up with our other partners around the Hami Media Group. So it's going to be it's going to be released on all of our platforms. Uh, we're going to be talking everything that goes down here at NXT Takeover New Orleans. We're breaking down all these great matches. Uh, then we're also going to be breaking down SuperCard of Honor. I mean, you talk about the excitement around WrestleMania weekend. It's it's Saturday night. It's not any other night. It's Saturday night. Immediately when those shows are over, uh, Michael Jargo, Rick Vicker, and we are also going to be joined by the Andrew Bello to break all these down. Bello and Jargo and RBV all on one show. God knows what may happen. God knows what uh, may and, happen. And, you know, it's, if, if we can even make it there, I, I you know we might just be like in, uh, just go into like a pro wrestling coma after, after Kenny and Cody and Johnny and Tommaso. <laughs> and we've got to wrap the whole thing up before house of hardcore starts. <laughs> 
It's going to be a fun night Saturday night. It's going to be a fun night. So that's going to do it for this week's show. But of course, Rick and I will be back in your ear holes with so much crap this weekend that you'll probably be sick of us. Uh, Be sure that you hit the uh, like and subscribe button. Uh, Make sure that you never miss any of our content here at hittingthemarks.podbean.com. Make sure that you also keep an eye on our friends over at thegorillaposition.com this weekend as they'll be telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Of course, RBV and I will be back in the locker room this Monday at hackerhameen.podbean.com with our boy Big Ray breaking down all things WrestleMania. Until then, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Also be sure to look for our Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor preview show that we're going to record right after we're done recording this episode. It never stops, guys. It just never stops. And that show actually features a very special guest in Ring of Honor senior official, Todd Sinclair. Had a good chance uh, to sit down for about 20 minutes with him yesterday, have a nice conversation about Supercard of Honor. Uh, you can find me across all social media platforms, at Not Jargo, RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks all find you across social media? I'll tell you what you were talking about. We're getting ready to record our Super Card of Honor preview. Now, that's an event that I am just over the top, just beyond excited for this weekend. That, that's probably my premier event. Um, but, you know, like you said, we have got so much great content coming out. If, if anyone wants to follow me out there, you can get me personally on Twitter uh, and on Facebook at The Real RBV. But also be sure to follow the uh, the Hameen Media Group on Twitter, at Hameen Media Group. Uh, then also look us up on Facebook, the Hameen Media Discussion Group. So many great features going on over there. we got our Pick Em, pick em Challenge, uh, live viewing parties. And then, you know, from the Hameen Media Group, so much programming. As you said, me and you are going to be a part of a lot of that. You've got – I'm going on – Immediately following NXT tonight for the Hameen's official preview of NXT TakeOver. Uh, you and I will also be releasing our Ring of Honor preview on that platform. Uh, then you got Friday in the Locker Room with Ben Hameen and Stevie Richards. You got the Impact Attack with Big Ray and Ben. Uh, then I will also be doing a, a review. Uh, and I know you're going to try your best to make that program if you can make it happen, Jargo. We're going to be breaking down Lucha Underground versus Impact. A bunch of... Uh, live content coming on Facebook, YouTube, so much going on. Make sure you check us out. I actually got the blessing from the wife this morning. We'll be recording at like 2.30 in the freaking morning. You crazy bastards breaking down Impact versus Lucha Underground. Of course, there will be reviews coming for Supercard of Honor, reviews coming for TakeOver, reviews coming for WrestleMania. It's going to be a fun weekend, guys. Gear up for it. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. And for now... We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy! Stop! Stop! Go!
trapping the blame on me. I smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go! Violate! 